everyone. Welcome to Crime Cults and Coffee. I'm Kelsey. And I'm Bren. And we are on our 100th episode. Woo! I can't believe it. Happy centennial to CCC. (laughs) (laughs) That was cute. That was cute. Thanks. You're welcome. I I hope my voice didn't sound too awful there. No, it sounded great. Oh, thanks. I just can't believe that we've done 100 episodes. I know. It's insane. It feels like just yesterday that we started. Yeah, that we decided to do the thing. Yeah. So I think we definitely need to celebrate between this and our two-year coming up. We need to go out and do drinks or something soon. Agreed. (laughs) Yeah, I think so too. It's just, I feel like there's a lot going on, but we need to make time for it. And it's worth it because this is such a good podcast. Definitely. And we hope you guys love it as much as we do. I'll try to pull some more Marilyn Monroe president vibes at the end so we can give (laughs) you a full sing-along. Deal. I think we should get into the coffee review for today because we have a packed episode It's our 100th episode, so we did decide to do a little small surprise at the end. (laughs) (laughs) So I was texting Bryn. We were deciding when we wanted to do the surprise. And for some reason, my phone typed out, we should do a young surprise at the end. (laughs) Or surprise of the young. That's what it was. Surprise of the young. What the fuck is a surprise of the young? What I meant to say was surprise at the end. So now we're going to have a young surprise at the end. A baby surprise. Just a mini one. A wee little guy. (laughs) So if you're the type of person that turns us off after you hear our episode and we finish the case for the day, don't do that because you're going to like the surprise that we have at the end. Yeah, you can say fuck the spiel after the surprise. Deal. Yeah. (laughs) All right. So today we are reviewing another coffee from Boost Cardew because they sent three coffees to us. So thank you so much again. And just so you know, to listen back to episode 98 is when we did our big spiel on their whole coffee shop and everything about them. And then we also reviewed them in episode 99. So go back and listen to those episodes if you have not. And we talk about two other coffees that we had reviewed. Basically, you get three episodes of them in a row. Which is a treat. (laughs) So their website is boosterdoo.com, B-O-O-S-K-E-R-D-O-O.com. And their Instagram is boosterdoo. So check out their website. It has a bunch of stuff on there, a bunch of merch, different types of coffee. And their Instagram has pictures of everything that they have, including their baked goods, which look fucking amazing. Everything looks so good. Their aesthetic is pleasing in their shop. I'm ready to make a visit. Right? I think we should. Mm -hmm. So the coffee that we're reviewing from them today is called Jersey Diner. And then really small is style. (laughs) So (laughs) Jersey Diner style. And I haven't taken a sip yet. If it's anything like a good jersey diner coffee you know i'm here for it i was just gonna say like this is probably bryn's favorite coffee just from the title yeah if you've been listening if you've been a long time listener this is not the first time i've mentioned this i love a good diner coffee 
and I'm excited to try this one. The notes for this roast are nutty, sweet, and classic. Yum. And it is a light roast, which is my only fear <laughs> of taking a sip of this coffee. My fear. Yeah. Fear. Light coffee. Ew. As we've mentioned in other episodes with Buscardu, they have a really cute thing where they say pair with on their bags. And I was just messaging them about this the other day <laughs> because so I'm obsessed. And this coffee, the Jersey Diner, says pair with pork roll, old friends, and smoke breaks. Oh, my God. Which is literally a New Jersey Diner aesthetic. That's so funny. Itself. And if you're from Pittsburgh and listening to this, you're not – it's like you have to be in New Jersey to realize what it means to go to, like, a New Jersey diner. It's not, like, what you're thinking because at first when I came to New Jersey, Carson's like, oh, we're going to diner. And I'm like, what? Why? What do you mean? A diner? <laughs> And he's like, they're everywhere. I'm like, I don't understand. It's a thing here. I didn't know. So if you don't know in Pittsburgh, come out and try out the diners. It's definitely a Jersey thing. Maybe it happens in other places as well. But it's it's a it's a legit thing here. And it's kind of sad because pre pandemic, most of the diners were open to like 2am. And that has changed. And then they kept it changed in most places, I think. So that kind of sucks a little bit, but I actually have a really funny quick story regarding being a person from Jersey who knows the diners around here. Okay. So one time when I went to New York City with my friend Amanda, the next morning I was like, all I want are diner eggs. That's all I want. And I think all she wanted was diner pancakes. We spent, I'm not even exaggerating, probably two hours looking for a diner in New York City. Oh my God. A close by diner and a diner style diner, not somewhere where you can just get eggs or a croissant or something. We wanted a diner and we ended up finding one eventually blocks from the train station, but it was worth it and it was needed and that's how much I love diners. Oh my god, your dedication. <laughs> I so, it. ready to take a sip? Yeah. Oh my gosh, okay, I'm nervous. Okay. How, Are you what? drinking yours with any kind of creamer or milk or anything? No, not today. Okay, me either. My coffee is black right now. So, I'm thinking it's a tiny bit bitter in the aftertaste. Mm-hmm. I like the initial sip. I do taste the nuttiness. Right. But I think I definitely like other coffees of Buscardu better. I'm yeah. not hating it, but I'm not I'm not obsessing over it right now. I think the light nature of it really as well isn't for me. And, you know, there are some good light roasts out there, but I think this one, it's just not bold enough. But I definitely taste the nuttiness. There's a tiny hint of sweetness as well, but I think it just needs more oomph. Yeah, that's that. And like you said, that's the light roast end of it. Yeah. We're just not light roast people is what it comes down to. We are not, but <laughs> it's, a, it's definitely a good coffee. I think so too. I'm not, like I said, I'm not hating it. I'm just comparing it to my uh, lovely diners out there. And the <laughs> the light roast is just, I think, the negative for me as well. Yeah, I'm probably going to give this one a 6.5. I really do love this company and I love all of their coffees. So thank you guys so much. I would rate this a six. So nice. pretty close. Yeah. 
Nice. Okay, cool. So should we get into this exciting episode? I'm so pumped. Me too. I am so excited to record today, not Me only too. because it's the 100th episode, but because we're switching it up to something we haven't done in a little while. Yeah, so uh, put your big girl pants on and, you know, the saying about getting on the horse or something. <laughs> <laughs> I have I think that's a combination of two different things. I've never heard either of those. Well, I've heard big girl <laughs> pants, but I've never heard. All right, maybe we should edit that out. <laughs> <laughs> or not. <laughs> Yeah, put your big girl pants on and maybe a nightlight or two. Ooh, spooky. Mm. Okay, cool. <laughs> <laughs> so grab your coffee and have a morning with us. Okay, so today's episode, if you haven't pieced it together, is a haunted places episode. Whoop, whoop. You know, we're just getting in the mood for spooky season over here. We're excited it's the 100th episode. And not to mention, we're recording on September 1st, which basically means it's Halloween, so. It is. Fall has officially started. I decorated my house already. Carson came home and was like, Kelsey, it's not even September 1st yet. I was like, don't ruin my life, okay? <laughs> this is what I live for. I like to hope that my house is just like that year-round. <laughs> <laughs> but do you want me to start today? Yeah. Okay, the first haunted place that I'm going to be talking about today is called the House of Death. <laughs> A little bit of background about the House of Death. It's located at 14 West 10th Street in New York City in Washington Square Park. Dude, what the fuck? What? I swear we're in each other's brains. Really? Mine's in New York, too. Oh, my gosh. Okay, so if you're a first-time listener, welcome. And if you listen back to any of our other haunted episodes, we usually mention, which we forgot to today, we research these cases unbeknownst to the other. So I'm hearing hers for the first time. She's hearing mine. And usually, somehow, our paths crisscross. I swear to Jesus, it's a thing. Yeah, it's definitely a thing. So cool. So this house of death is known as, quote, the most haunted house in Greenwich Village. <gasps> it was built in the late 1850s, and another article said 1830s, so there is a discrepancy there. But most of the research that I did say 1850s, so I was also thinking that this could have just been a typo <laughs> in this person's article. So we're going to go with 1850s. It's a Greek Revival-style brownstone, and it's four stories. I love brownstones. When I found out about this house, I was all about it. Hold on. Pause. Sorry to interrupt you, but I'm dead. Our haunted locations are a 10-minute fucking walk from each other's. Oh my god. We're going to both of them. <laughs> We're going to both of them. So weird. Okay, sorry, continue. That is so strange in all of New York City. In all of the world. We choose these haunted places based on anywhere in the world. And we chose ones that were a 10-minute walk from each other. I'm leaving this in because this is insane. What the fuck? Okay. So the park that it was buried around Washington Square Park, which I didn't know about this, which is insane. It's known to be a burial ground. What? <gasps> what? Yeah. I don't know if this is still the case. I didn't do a deep dive into Washington Square Park, which I will do in the future. 
But what's known about it is that there's human remains, pieces of wood coffins, and headstones that were buried underground there. What the fuck? Back in the day, it was the home of many of New York's elite. So now I'm talking about this house of death in specific. Mrs. James Borman Johnston, her husband was, quote, a founding member of the Metropolitan Underground Railroad and the Broadway Underground Railroad. And that was a quote from untappedcities.com. Author Samuel Clemens, a.k.a. Mark Twain, lived there from 1900 to 1901. And actress, writer, Jan Bryant Bartell and her husband also lived there. Wow. In 1937, the brownstone was changed from a single family home into 10 apartments. So this was obviously due to the influx of people moving into the city. And instead of these people living in an entire home, they then had to divide it to fit more people. Right. So moving on to the hauntings. 14 West 10th Street is alleged to be haunted by at least 22 spirits. (gasps) One is that of Mark Twain. Oh my god, what? Yeah. He's been seen in a white suit, and these sightings are usually on the first floor and by the staircase. In the 1930s, a mother and daughter said they saw Twain sitting in a chair near a window, and he spoke to them. Oh my god, what? (laughs) What did he say? She said, quote, who are you and what are you doing here? (gasps) Because obviously she walked into this room and saw this man sitting there because he was visible. And he replied, quote, my name is Clemens and I has a problem here I gotta settle. Shut the fuck up. Could you imagine Mark Twain answering you? Yeah. What? And I wonder what his problem was. I know. Do you think he was, like, stuck there or something? I don't know. Or it's residual energy? I don't know. What the hell? So weird. Yeah. So he said that, and then he disappeared. Speaking of Twain, the brownstone was already known to be haunted when he had moved in. And... In his life, he was actually a skeptic, and he laughed at the unexplained and basically disregarded ghosts completely. He Mm -hmm. had a known experience, though, but still had brushed it off when it happened. So I'm going to talk a little bit about the experience he had, and this is all a quote from burrowsofthedead.com. Quote, One night he saw a piece of kindling wood moving by itself near the fireplace. He grabbed a pistol and shot at it. The kindling fell to the floor where Twain saw a few drops of blood. No intruders, human or animal, were ever found to explain the event, though Twain sniffed he was sure it was a rat and still refused to believe that what he had seen sprung from supernatural sources. What the hell? But how would a a rat have been carrying a thing of wood right it doesn't make sense either way (laughs) right and i just thought it was super ironic that he's now a reported ghost of the building when he completely used to disregard all of that that's so creepy Mm -hmm. 
And I had read in one of the articles that he had actually written a story and it's a whole satire about this ghost who like stumbles upon his body or something like that. Just completely making a joke out of the supernatural. And then he became a ghost haunting people. Yeah. It's just ironic. Mm Mm-hmm. So when living at the apartment, Jan Bryant Bartell had also allegedly experienced these paranormal occurrences. She lived in the top floor apartment. The top floor had been the quote-unquote servants' quarters. This presence that she felt was described as a quote, monstrous moving shadow. Ew. Yeah. And before she moved into the 14th West 10th Street home, She had actually lived at 16 West 10th Street in the 1950s. So literally the same street a couple doors down. What the hell? She had also experienced paranormal experiences there as well. She heard noises, saw visions, and felt the presence of things. When I had read that, I was like, was the street haunted? Was she picking up on one or the other building and kind of... Like, she lived a couple doors down and was picking up on the 14th house all along or vice versa. Right. Were both houses haunted or was she a medium and just didn't realize it? That's so weird. Yeah. She has a book where she talked about her encounters called Spindrift Spray from a Psychic Sea. And this was written in 1974. There has been a presence of a lady in white a young child, a gray cat, and a young woman holding a cat. And I'm not sure if that's the same little kitty cat or a different one. (laughs) Not only are there hauntings in this house, there was a lot more darkness that came along with this house. Joel Steinberg had lived in this apartment with his family. Hedda Nussbaum, she was described as his live-in partner. Lisa Steinberg, born Elizabeth Launders, was a six-year-old child illegally adopted by him. Oh, wow. How nice. And Mitchell, which was another young child, younger than Lisa, was also illegally adopted by him. Wow. Steinberg had been hired by a single mother to find an adoptive family for Lisa And he took her home and raised her with Nussbaum without ever filing formal adoption papers. That is so fucked up. Yeah, so the same situation happened with Mitchell. He was a former New York criminal defense attorney. And he illegally adopted two children? Yes. What the hell? Yes, and it's about to get a whole lot worse. November 1st, 1987, Steinberg hit Lisa on the head And other articles say she was also beaten. He was allegedly under the influence of crack cocaine when he did this. Oh my god. And then he subsequently left the home and partied with friends after doing this. Oh my god. Nussbaum called 911 at some point and reported that the child was not breathing. Reports say that Nussbaum was alone in the apartment with Lisa for over 10 fucking hours while the child was unconscious and bleeding Oh! until she finally sought medical attention. I feel so sick. I know. It's absolutely horrifying. Some articles say that the police arrived around 7 a.m. to find Lisa, 
but it was kind of unclear if this was 7 a.m. on November 1st or November 2nd. Lisa was found unconscious and Mitchell was, quote, covered in filth and tied to a playpen. What? And that's a quote from untappedcities.com. There were also signs of physical abuse on Mitchell and Steinberg's partner, Hedda Nussbaum. Lisa was brought to St. Vincent's Hospital where she was declared brain dead. And sadly, she died three days later after being removed from life support. Oh my God, I'm so sick. And this all happened in this home. Wow. Mitchell has since been reunited with his birth mom. Thank God. Right. When it came to trial, Nussbaum was not prosecuted in exchange for testifying against Steinberg, which I, in my opinion, feel is very wrong. Yeah. Although she was a victim of abuse, to wait 10 hours. She was part of it. She should have been charged with something, even if it wasn't a lot. Right. Insane. This is all a quote from Wiki. Quote, in New York State at that time, first-degree murder applied only to those who killed police officers or had committed murder while already serving a sentence for a previous murder. The jury was unable to convict Steinberg on the more serious charge of second-degree murder, but it did convict him of the lesser charge of first-degree manslaughter. Oh, my God. Therefore, Steinberg only received the maximum sentence of eight and a third to 25 years in state prison. Steinberg never showed remorse, and he spent most of his sentencing at Southport Correctional Facility, which was New York State's supermax. He was denied parole twice. Good. June 30th, 2004, he was paroled under the quote-unquote good time law. Basically, the good time law is this. He showed good behavior while serving two-thirds or more of the max sentence. New York State has since increased this to six-sevenths of the max sentence. I don't understand. I get that good behavior in jail is like, obviously a positive it's showing maybe some change but if you wanted to get out of prison of course you're gonna have good behavior exactly I just had this thought while listening to a podcast today I don't even remember what it was but I feel like good behavior and rehabilitation like that might make sense with non-violent offenders right give them a chance to rehabilitate themselves. Right, but for like the sociopaths and people that have done violent crimes that know how to manipulate people, of course they're going to be on their best behavior. Right, and I feel like when you're giving that chance to violent offenders, it's taking away from maybe giving more chances to nonviolent. Right. I just think, I mean, if you're a violent offender, the pers- I don't know the percentages, but it's probably a lot higher that you're going to reoffend. Right. Or escalate. So September 30th, 2004, he was released. As of 2006, Steinberg maintained his innocence. January 16th, 2007, the New York Supreme Court Appellate Division upheld a $15 million award to Lisa's birth mother. And wouldn't you know, Steinberg represented himself. Oh my god, huge red flag. Yeah, what does that tell you? He's a sociopath. Yeah, or a psychopath. You have zero remorse and you're representing yourself in court. Insane. There we go. That's all I need to know. 
the court, thank God, rejected his position. And I had read some of what he said, and it's honestly the most absurd thing I've ever read. After the murder of Lisa, the home became known as the House of Death. The home is a private residence, so you can't go in there. But there have been paranormal experts that have been given access to go in there. Paranormal expert, you might be allowed access. So are you, is it like one big family home again now or is it still separate apartments? No, it's still separate apartments. Okay. If you're not a paranormal expert, maybe you want to pull a less creepy Joe Goldberg and stroll on by. (laughs) You're not fooling anyone, Joe. (laughs) Lift that cap up, Joe. (laughs) We know who you are. (laughs) And that is the house of death. Wow, that was so good. I mean, not good in a way of like, I mean, it was horrible what happened there, but just the history behind it is so crazy. Yeah, I think it's absolutely insane that it had all this history beforehand too. And then that devastatingly horrible thing happened on top of it. Right. It just adds so much energy to the building. Mm hmm. So once you've walked by the house of death, you can then stroll down the street to my haunted place, which is a restaurant called One If By Land, Two If By Sea Restaurant. Mm. Very long name. So you're a history buff. Do you know what that's from? One If By Land, Two If By Sea? Yes. Yeah. Oh my God. Oh my God. It's something with flashing the light. Yeah. Okay. Close enough. That was good. It's... Oh, we'll so- talk about it. Okay, okay. I it, As soon as you say it, I'm going to know. I know it's yeah. something with flashing the light. Yeah. So a little bit of background. The location is West Village at 17 Barrow Street in New York. It is known to be one of the most popular and romantic restaurants in New York City and also one of the most haunted. Ooh. So honestly... You guys have to plan your trip there because the inside of this place is unreal and you'll hear why. So the restaurant is known for its beautiful wood accents, candle lit chandeliers, white tablecloths, hanging pictures of dead people, basically, and of course, ghosts. The restaurant was once once a carriage house that was built in 1767 and it was owned by Aaron Burr. So just a little history reminder, Aaron Burr was the vice president under Thomas Jefferson, and Burr was also known for wounding Alexander Hamilton during a fight that ultimately cost Hamilton his life. Oh, wow. Yeah, so the carriage house and most of Burr's property was actually lost during this battle with Alexander Hamilton. Aaron Burr's daughter, Theodosia, lived in the carriage house with him. His wife, Theodosia Bartow-Prevost, died previously, so that's why she wasn't in the picture, but his daughter was still there with him. This building has a bunch of strange things surrounding it, and one of them is a tunnel leading from the carriage house to Hudson Street. So Underground? Yes. Wow. So basically, Hudson Street was once where the shore of the river met the end of the tunnel. Mm -hmm. So it was like a tunnel for underneath the carriage house, through the ground, and to the shore of the river. Was that used as an underground railroad? 
Yes. Wow, that ties into mine as well. Does it really? Yeah, my the one I just did, the one the oh yeah, her yeah, her husband was like the chairman. Oh my god, that's so weird. So the tunnel was lined with stone that matched the stone of the carriage house and the barn. So that's why they were thinking that they were related. And basically, you're wondering why was this tunnel built? Was it to smuggle contraband from the store? The tunnels were said to have been used later as part of an underground railway for fugitive slaves to get them to freedom. But who built these tunnels? They have no record of who built them, why, like what exactly their purpose was. Those are just theories. Mm-hmm. The building went through many different purposes, like an engine house for a fire station next door, bars, brothels, restaurants, and even a silent movie house at one point. In 1970, it was bought by the current owners and they restored it over a few years. The name of the restaurant came from Henry Longfellow's poem, Paul Revere's Ride. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. (laughs) I knew you would know. (laughs) And this is a quote from NewYorkGhost.com. Quote, one if by land and two if by sea was a secret signal used to alert the patriots about the route the British troops chose to advance to Concord. The current restaurant has original pieces from the carriage house, including hitching posts, antique bottles, and handmade horseshoes. Oh my gosh. Literally from 1767, these things are still there. That is insane. I want to touch them. Me too. I I have the chills. I know. Imagine walking in there and seeing like these crazy old things. Oh my God. It's just, I have the chills thinking about it. Ugh. That reminds me, sorry to interrupt real quick, that reminds me of when I went to Salem last summer. We stayed in a house from the 1600s, and it's the only, like, livable museum. Mm-hmm. It was a bed and breakfast, and literally everything in there was from the homeowners throughout the decades of people living there from the 1600s, 1700s, 1800s. You could literally sit in the man who built the house, his chair, that stuff is so interesting to me. Yeah, it was crazy. It was absolutely crazy. Like, how is it even still around? Yeah, everything was so well preserved, but you were allowed to touch it and hold it and sit in it. It was it was insane. Wow. Sorry to interrupt. No, that's okay. That's that's a good story. So now moving on to the current manager and her stories. Roseanne Martino is one of the current general managers, and she says the restaurant is in fact haunted because she has experienced plenty of hauntings. I would love to sit down with Roseanne. Right? Just have a cup of coffee with Roseanne. Yeah. Talk about the hauntings. This is a quote from Roseanne. Quote, I've had experiences, inexplicable experiences. I've been here for eight years and I've seen a lot. She states that she has experienced the classic paranormal hauntings, such as pictures tilting on the walls, lights flickering, and drafts of cold air, especially near the bar, and also machines in the building turning on by themselves. Oh my gosh. I know. You know, classic things. You know, just little spooky things. (laughs) She says that sometimes the waiters serve the spirit foods 
you know, just in case they're craving the restaurant's most popular meal, which was beef wellington. <laughs> wow. Well, that's probably a way to keep some of them content, you know. Right. And they're happy ghosts, I've heard. Happy spirits. So keep serving them the beef wellington. Yeah. <laughs> Kirk Adair is another one of the restaurant's managers, and he describes the restaurant as a forest. And this is a quote from ny.eater.com. Quote, you can feel the creatures around you, but you don't necessarily see them. Maybe out of the corner of your eye, but for the most part, they remain hidden. Wow. I have tingles going down my whole body. (laughs) And that's such a good way to describe it. Wow. Being in a forest and just having like animals watching you. The only thing I don't like is how he's compared, like saying that they're creatures just because That almost makes it sound demonic. Right. They're they're not demonic. They're spirits. Yeah. But that is, I mean, if he's just using it as a comparison and use that like verbiage to make a comparison, I can totally see it. That is insane. So cool. Wow. So as I mentioned, for the most part, these spirits are said to be friendly and they kind of play jokes on people. But staff members have quit because of the experiences in the restaurant oh no (laughs) (laughs) the maitre d at one point quit after quote being shoved up and down the stairs every night by invisible hands (gasps) okay (laughs) see like that's i feel like that's not friendly but um maybe she never shared the beef wellington i think he maybe he was one that was like laughing at the beef wellington Oh, yeah, they're like, oh, you want to fuck around with my beef Wellington? Well, (laughs) (laughs) an example of another practical joke, basically women that sit at the bar continuously complained night after night about losing their earrings and none of the earrings were ever found. Oh, my gosh. Just, like, one earring would go missing and, like, the bartender would be like, oh, my God, this you're, like, the third person that has said this. Wow. I mean, I think I would purposely wear super cheap earrings to the bar every night just to see if it would happen. Right? Like, I want to go with, like, dangly ones. Yeah. Just really cheap ones. So if it disappears, it doesn't matter. It's not like you're losing a diamond or something. Yeah. And then I can have a story about my cheap earring going missing. Oh, my God. That's crazy, though, that not only does it go missing, but no one even sees it or feels it come out of their ear. Yeah, like, what the fuck? Where does it go? These spirits just have a collection of single earrings somewhere in this house. I bet you it's a an old woman that used to make brooches out of earrings. <laughs> and she's just hoarding them. She's like, this one will do nicely. <laughs> this will do nicely on my peacoat. <laughs> <laughs> so let's meet the spirits. There are said to be around 20 active spirits in this building. Oh my gosh, so similar to mine. I know, when you said 22, I was like, what the fuck? (laughs) A parapsychologist said that the spirits are from all different time periods, and they are all aware of each other being there in the house. Wow. I... I wonder if we have crossover with spirits. Like, I wonder if Mark Twain goes there for his nightly beef wellington. I have the chills, which means you're right. (laughs) Beef wellington. 
<laughs> because that I is heard, way too close. I heard Mark Twain really does like beef Wellington. He probably did. <laughs> With a little bit of gravy on the side. All right. But no, honestly, doesn't this sound like murder house though from american horror story where all of these spirits are just getting stuck here year after year and they're all aware of each other being there yeah that's really strange i know it's so weird but they're able to almost kind of still live their lives like i wonder if they're walk just walking around almost in a somewhat other dimension and they're just in the house and then going out for drinks at the end of the night at this bar right and stealing earrings yeah (laughs) <laughs> Making brooches, all right? the all the all the fun stuff. So another one of the spirits, there is a woman that's dressed in a black dress that is seen walking only down the stairs, but never up the stairs. Wow. The theories behind that are that she broke her neck falling down the stairs after tripping over her dress, and a medium that went there confirmed that. Oh, Yes, that's what it was because right? I have goosebumps everywhere. Right? How fucking crazy. Wow. Yeah. Another spirit, of course, Aaron Burr is said to also haunt the restaurant because it was once his carriage house. Mm-hmm. Aaron Burr's daughter, Theodosia, is said to also haunt the restaurant She lived in Charleston, South Carolina. This story is so weird, which I had no idea about. She was going to visit her father in New York from South Carolina on her boat called the Patriot. And mysteriously, she disappeared in the fog near Cape Hatteras. Oh, my gosh. So many people believe that the boat was stormed by pirates, but Aaron Burr thinks that the boat sank due to a storm that night. And it was never found? No. Wow. And this is literally like her traveling to this place to see her dad. And no wonder she haunts it. Yeah, that's crazy. It's like her spirit is trying to get there. Yeah, like trying to be where she was supposed to be. Aaron Burr is said to throw and break plates in the carriage house. And a theory behind that is he was so devastated over his daughter's death that that may be like why he's angry. I was just going to say that as a suggestion before you said it. Yeah. And apparently his relationship, Aaron Burr with his daughter, Theodosia, was so, so, so close that some people even talked badly about it like alexander hamilton and that's why they got into one of their fights actually theodosia is said to take the earrings from the women at the bar so she's the one and guests have also seen her walking up and down the stairs of the restaurant do they say what she's wearing um no it didn't but that would be interesting flo zyfield's foley girl which is a dancer in an American musical comedy, is said to haunt the Constitution Room. And the blacksmith was seen in the stairways on the top stories of the building where he was said to have lived at one point. So lots of spirits, lots of energy in this place. And I really fucking want to go. You have to look at the pictures because literally the candlelit chandeliers, it, the place looks incredible. We definitely have to go to this place. 
And that was one if by land, two if by sea. Well, thanks for introducing us to this place, Kels. I can't wait to go. And then either before or after, I'm just going to stroll by. The right? Yeah. Right? Just walk by, see what you feel. I wonder if it's that whole area as well because of the park. That's what I was thinking. The entire area just has a very historical and, you know, haunted vibe to it. Right. And if it's true that Washington Square Park has a burial ground or anything underneath it, and if that's still the case, I wonder if it's somewhat connected to that. Yeah. So I don't know. I think it's so crazy and I need to go and wear earrings. Yes. Cheap earrings. Easily removable earrings. (laughs) Yeah. So I have one more for you guys today, and this one is a little bit shorter. It is called Seven Sisters Road. Ooh, okay. A little bit of background about Seven Sisters Road. It is known this locally, but today it's formally called L Street and can be found as such on maps. So really only the people who live around there call it Seven Sisters Road. Okay. It's located in Oto County in southeast Nebraska, and this is around five miles southeast of Nebraska City, Nebraska. This entire road is based around an urban legend, and this legend has been around for more than a century, which how fitting considering this is our hundredth episode. So fitting. I feel like now that you say L Street, I've heard of it before. Really? Yes. I don't know much about it, but I I feel like the name sounds super familiar. Okay. Yeah, maybe you've read about it and just read the actual name of it. Mm Mm-hmm. Seven Sisters Road was built through the hills years after this urban legend allegedly happened. But don't worry, I'll be telling this legend in a little bit. Trees have been chopped down in this area before and after the road has been built. The hills have also been quote-unquote altered, and only four remain. So getting into the urban legend behind this haunted road. This story takes place in the 1900s. This is all a quote from legendsofamerica.com. Quote, There was once a young man who lived along the meandering road in an area known to have had seven hills. Residing on a farm southeast of Nebraska City, he lived with his parents and seven sisters. According to the tale, after having argued with his family, he was very angry. That night, he hid in the woods as his parents left the house one evening, and then, one by one, He either enticed or forced each one of his sisters outside with him. The young man then led them to the top of each hill and hanged each one of them from a tree until they were dead. Oh my god. Afterward, no one knows what happened to the bodies or to the brother. Yes, I've heard of this. Really? Yes. Furthermore, no official reports have been found to substantiate the hangings, but the legend persists. Another version of the story says it was the father instead of the brother. Oh my god, so crazy. Yeah, so it's said that parts of the legend have been embellished, lost, or added to, 
but the main points of the story remain the same. Some of the trees mentioned that were chopped down were the seven trees that the seven women had been hung from on the seven hills. Wow. And from that night on, it's said that the area is haunted by the women. Understandably. Yeah. Devastating and dark and gruesome things happen there. So it makes sense. Right. So moving on to the hauntings. There are many different stories regarding the hauntings in this area. It's been said that some people have heard, quote, terrified women screaming for help. Oh my god. Ew, no. I would hate that because how do you know if it's a spirit or not? I, nothing is more bone chilling than hearing someone like actually scream of being like in terror. One of the articles I had read, it described these screams as almost being super close but also out of reach Ew! like you don't know it sounds close but you don't know where it's coming from and it's too no matter where you go it's almost too far to get to if that oh, makes oh no i have the chills yeah there's also sounds of bells ringing and this sound seems to come from a nearby cemetery there's problems with cars This part reminded me of the devil's tree. I was just going to say that. Yeah. So some issues that have happened with cars are the cars stalling, headlights dimming out of nowhere or for no reason. And then when these headlights dim, these have been said to suddenly return to normal once the person is off the road. Okay. That's definitely like a paranormal thing. Right. I mean, there's no way around. Oh, I just back. I just heard my voice back again. There's no way around that happening because right. why would the lights dim and or do something weird out of nowhere? And as soon as you're off the road, they're back to normal. Right. It doesn't make any sense. Yeah. Another thing that has happened has been speedometers freezing and windows rolling up and down on their own. Ew. ew that part i would be out of there that's (laughs) too real that was my reaction i'm not even kidding you when i was researching this out loud i was lying in bed with timo and all of a sudden i was like ew oh my god ew and he's like what and i read that part to him (laughs) that is too real for me nope imagine they're just imagine it's a car though that has really slow windows and it's just like (laughs) <laughs> or like the crank windows yeah. <laughs> and you just oh my god that'd be even creepier because you would see the thing turning ew, 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 ew. <laughs> or like it's pouring outside and they just roll down all the windows <laughs> oh god <laughs> so shadowy figures are also seen in the dark and you can also feel a presence around you perhaps of the sister's Red eyes have also appeared in the dark, which is... I don't, nope, I don't like that. No, that's super demonic and just very horror story-esque. I don't like that at all. Mm-mm. Voices or muffled whispers have been heard. And there's also been sudden wind changes. So creepy. And that is the story of Seven Sisters Road. I've heard of that. That is so creepy. <laughs> 
I hate it. I don't like it. I'm not. <laughs> I, if that is a true story, I don't think anything good could come out of a place like that. Right. Because, something so horrible happened. Right. It's very dark energy surrounding that place. Yeah. So now it's time for the surprise of the young. <laughs> the surprise of the young. The baby surprise. The little baby. So Baby tumbles surprise. <laughs> Do you remember baby tumbles surprise? No. <laughs> oh my god. Anyone who's listening that knows is probably screaming right now. Baby my sister tumbles- is probably like, you're so young. Is it like? <laughs> baby tumbles surprise was a doll in the 90s i swear to god it was like a paperweight or or a murder weapon ew what its body was filled with cotton and its hands were hard plastic but its head literally weighed like 20 pounds what what is this what is this (laughs) death trap it was for it to tumble it was supposed to do forward rolls And in order to do that, its head weighed like 20 pounds. (laughs) (laughs) Ew, I see it. Ew, I'm not a fan. Yeah, I wish I still had my baby tumble surprise so I could show you. I did have one. Very horrifying toy to have as a child. Ew, well, we're not going to be talking about baby tumbles (laughs) today. But we decided for the 100th episode that now is a good time to do kind of a recap on a couple of things. And the first thing I'm going to go over is our top 10 coffees that we have reviewed out of all of our 100 episodes. Oh my god, as you said that, the recording just hit, and with editing, it's probably not going to be this for our listeners, but the recording just hit 100 <gasps> as you said it. Oh my god, it's it's a sign. <laughs> it is. <laughs> But these coffee reviews that we've done, we picked out the ones that were most memorable to us. Of course, as you try 100 different coffees, your ratings may change and your taste may change of which one is a a 10 versus a 3. So we're not going based off of like our top rated numbers, but it's based off of which ones were most memorable and we felt were the best out of all 100. So in no particular order... The first one is Wake the Hell Up by Utica Coffee Roasting Company, which was from episode five. Tanzania Peaberry from Cars Coffee from episode 15. Biscochito from New Mexico Pinon Coffee, episode 20. That one was so fucking good. Mm-hmm. Mom has gotten a massive bag of that since. Yeah, and it's like we were able to go back and look at these and be like, oh my god, I remember that one. That's mm-hmm. how much of an impact it left on us. Yeah. Day for Night by Mighty Oak Roasters in episode 23. Hades. Hades will always have my heart. Shout out Hades! From Fable Grounds <laughs> Coffee in episode 24. Oh my god, Rocket Fuel though. <gasps> Rocket Fuel, I think, has been our top rating. It has to be. Mm-hmm. Rocket Fuel is from Sweet Leaf Coffee Roasters in episode 38. Double Dead Raven's Brew Coffee, and that's from episode 28. Darling Dark from Black and Brass Coffee, episode 42. Gold Bug Roast by Edgar Allan Joe, episode 59. Shout out, Shout- Dylan. Shout out, Dylan. <laughs> <laughs> Dylan, if you don't remember, is the owner. Shout out, Dylan. (laughs) That one was so good. 
That was. And then the last one we have is Just Fuck Me Up by Fucking Good Coffee Company. And that was from episode 69. So I know you're not going to remember that as you're driving into work, but we will have this list posted on our Facebook for this episode. And it'll have our list of, you know, all the ones that I just talked about. Go back and listen to the episode so you can hear, you know, how we talked about the coffee, how we reviewed them. But we loved those ones. Yeah, I'll also post it in our shout outs on Instagram. So it's like permanently saved in a highlight. Good. Yeah. And then we also wanted to put this not on the top 10 list, but out of all of the ones that we reviewed that were not sent to us by a coffee shop, we are still obsessed with the coconut caramel crunch from Kauai Coffee. And these are like K-cups or you can get it in a bag and they can be found at like a grocery store and also on Amazon. Yeah, honorable mention. Honorable mention. And by the way, all of the ones in the top 10 that I just mentioned are still available on all of their websites. So go buy them. So good. My mouth is watering. I think I'm going to buy another bottle of the rocket fuel. Yeah, I think I'm going to go back and order some of these from all different places because I'm thinking of as you're mentioning these coffees I'm like tasting them and I'm like oh my gosh I miss that coffee right it's like the nostalgia mm-hmm. just okay. like baby tumbles fuck <laughs> <laughs> baby tumbles so the other thing that we wanted to mention are the top 10 listened to episodes of ours Yes. So if you are new here and you're like, where do I start? Maybe don't start at episode one. We were getting the hang of it. Even though episode one is on this list. It's really? (laughs) Yeah. A lot of our earlier episodes are on the list. And I think that's because, I mean, a lot of people start from the beginning, you know? Yeah. But I recently listen back to one of our old episodes I think like episode seven or eight or something and part of it I cringed Ew, I, I can't straight up cringe because we were so I mean it's a great thing that we have evolved from where we were in the beginning mm-hmm. because obviously at first you're not that comfortable in front of a microphone and after two almost two years of doing this now we're a little more natural. We've changed things around. We've done things differently. Mm-hmm. And it was just a little cringe to listen back that far. So I hope props to anyone who starts at the beginning. I hope you get past that point <laughs> <laughs> and have given us a, a chance here. <laughs> yes. But I'll start. So this isn't, I just want to reiterate, this isn't our top 10 picks of the episodes we liked this is literally from you guys listening and I'll start at 10 and I'll go down to number one how about that cool so the top 10 was episode 42 Boston Strangler nine was episode 93 Richardson Family Murders episode five was the eighth one And that was Bianca Devins. Number seven was episode three, Wineville Chicken Coop Murders. Oh, God. Next was episode four, Church of the Firstborn of the Lamb of God. Clearly a cult. Yes. Then episode 40, 
interview with Laura part one. And for those who don't know which Laura episode this was, this was the intro to Laura where we first had her on and she answered a bunch of questions about mediumship and talked about her gift in itself. Next was episode two, Sabina and Ursula Erickson. Episode 38, Jalea Davis. Episode one, Caitlin Akins. And number one on our top 10 was episode 41, which was Interview with Laura Part 2. And this was the reading of Drew Molinari, Caitlin Akins, and Jalea Davis. Wow. Yeah. It's so crazy to think back to these episodes. I'm just so happy that we've come so far and we're so happy to be doing this podcast. Yeah, I wish we could do this full time. If we could put our 100% energy into this, I mean, that's the dream. Yeah, that is the dream. But as we've mentioned before, I think we both work full-time jobs on top of a full-time job. Yeah. So we do the best we can with this podcast and we hope you guys love it. We try to give it as much of our all as we can. And I love doing this with you, Kels. I do too. It's been such a bonding experience. I mean, you know, we're so close as it is and being able to do something like this that like we both connect over is just so huge. Right. And I think when I think about our podcast, it's definitely a passion. And I was talking about this with Laura last week, how I feel like this is my life's calling. Yeah. Not specifically the podcast in itself, although that is incredible, but like the work we do through the podcast and that we try to do through the podcast. And as we've mentioned in other episodes, I wish we could do so much more and beyond this. I just, I think that being able to connect these families with Laura and the work she does is absolutely incredible. And being able to get the stories of these victims out there and the stories of their families out there. That's the goal. Yes. And when we do that, I just get this overwhelming feeling that this, this is my purpose, like just bringing those connections and helping. I feel like just helping people is such a life purpose. Yeah. And that's the goal of this podcast. You know, we've said multiple times we want to help people and help families. And I think that's what sets our podcast apart. Honestly, we, have brought on this medium that does incredible work with connecting families and giving them hope and giving them maybe some closure. And I think that's so different from every other podcast that I've heard about true crime, you know, where you're not just sitting down and listening to a murder about somebody like you're hearing so much more than that. Yeah. Yeah. Agreed. Yeah. And shout out to, some new listeners who have told me that they've been listening. Jackie, I know you listen, so thank you so much. Jackie lives in our apartment complex. Ooh, thank you, Jackie. And a couple people at work have just mentioned that they are listening. I'm not going to mention their names because I didn't ask them. (laughs) (laughs) But thank you, guys. Yeah, thank you to everyone who takes the time to listen to us every week. We appreciate you. We love you. 
we see your comments and love your interaction and keep them coming because every single time I see that there's a new message in the inbox, I'm just like, my heart is so full. And I love responding to people and just feeling like you are all part of this podcast because you are. We wouldn't be here without everyone listening every week. It's so true. Yeah. Oh, okay. Oh my God. On that happy note. (laughs) I'm all warm and fuzzy now. Happy 100. Happy 100 episode. Yeah. We need to go celebrate. We do. Oh my gosh. So exciting. So shall we get into the spiel that people probably will not (laughs) listen to? Just listen to our fucking spiel, okay? (laughs) So you know where to find us on Facebook and Instagram at Crime Cults and Coffee. And our Facebook is where we post our weekly resources and photos. This week we will put our lists of top 10 episodes and top 10 reviewed coffees. And then our Instagram is where we post our reviewed coffees, pictures of every episode. And then our link in our bio shows all of our listening platforms as well. Yes. If you have a case suggestion or a listener story, send it our way. Or if you just want to chat a little bit, send it our way. (laughs) You can DM us at Crime Colts and Coffee on Instagram, or you can send us an email at Crime Colts and Coffee at gmail.com. Also, if you would be so kind, show us you love us. Make our 100th day a complete mind blowing joy for us. Leave yes. us a review, leave us a rating on Apple Podcasts, and you'll get some free stickers. We have stickers for you guys. If you do not listen on Apple Podcasts, as some people have actually messaged us and been like, Kels, I don't know if you saw this. Someone messaged us the other day and was like, if I can leave, if I could leave you a review on Apple Podcasts, I would, but I listen on Spotify. Oh my God, you're an angel. <laughs> yeah. Like, thank you for letting us know. <laughs> but if you listen to us on Spotify, you can like, you can follow, you can subscribe, and that will let you know when a new episode comes out each week. All right, and that is the end of our 100th fucking episode. Happy Centennial! (laughs) (laughs) Bye, guys. Bye. regarding this case and our resources follow us at crime cults and coffee on instagram and facebook